0: Thank you so much, Jenny, and welcome again. And if you have a Bible this morning, I would invite you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to read, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. If you want to look at the Bible in the pew, it's on page 901. John chapter 14. Uh, verses one through seven. "'Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you what I've told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also.'" Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to earth at Christmas that we may know you through him. Show us the way to him this morning as we consider your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. In, uh, in, Dece- uh, of in, in December of 2009, I read uh, an article that Garrison Keillor, who is famous for having done the radio show Prairie Home Companion for a really long time, he wrote an editorial in the Chicago Tribune in which he told a, a version of the story of Christmas. Um, now, it's not the Christmas story that you know Linus tells in the Charlie Brown Christmas special that I happen to watch every single year. It's not even the story uh, that we read uh, from the scriptures in our Christmas Eve services last night. But nonetheless, it's a Christmas story. Three days before Christmas in 2008, Garrison Keeler was in a deli on 10th Street in New York City and he was ordering a bagel and a cup of coffee for his breakfast. And after he had placed his order, he moved off to the side and in came a, a different group. It was a group of eight teenage boys and a young woman who was in her early Twenties, and as they made their way to the counter, uh, Keeler pieced together what was going on. All of the boys had special needs of some sort, and the and the young woman was was leading them and taking care of them, and also she was translating for them because they spoke to her in Spanish, and she placed their orders in the deli in English. So one by one, the boys came up and uh, placed their orders until the very last boy came up. And it was obvious that he had been waiting. He was excited about this. He'd been waiting a long time to place place his order. He wanted a sesame seed bagel with cream cheese. And so the young lady places the order, sesame seed bagel with cream cheese, please. And they tell her the bad news. We're out of sesame seed bagels. And so she turned to the boy and spoke to him in Spanish, and you could see that he really did have his heart set on that sesame seed bagel, and it started to show in his body, and it started to show on his face, and he started to get very, very upset, and the tears started to come, and that is when the young woman drew near. She put her face really close to him and began to whisper to him in Spanish and Garrison Keeler did not speak Spanish. He couldn't understand what was happening here. Was she basically saying, "Well, these are your other options," or was she basically saying, "Hey, look, you're you're a teenager. You, you need to get over it if they don't have a, a sesame seed bagel?" But he pieced together again that that was not what was happening. She was consoling him. She was comforting him and he knew that not because of the words but because there were two sets of tears being shed in that moment, the boys and the young woman. And then as she continued to talk to him, eventually she made him laugh, and he ordered a blueberry muffin, which he subsequently devoured. Now, why is that a Christmas story? Well, it's a Christmas story for the same reason that the text that we just read from John 14 is a Christmas text because the essence of Christmas is God himself drawing near to us, sharing our pain, giving us hope, or to put it in the words that Jesus uses himself in John chapter 14, it is that you and I may know God, that we may know God. That's what Christmas really is about. That's the crux of Jesus' message. If you know me, Jesus says, you know God. And if you know God, you will know the way and the truth and the life. And so from this passage in John 14, let's look at only two points this morning. What does it mean to know God and how can you know God? What does it mean to know God and how can you know God? So first, what does it mean to know God? Now the biblical word know that is used in, in, in this passage and in many other passages throughout the scripture means much, much more. It's way richer than to mean to have an intellectual grasp of something, to have a, a, cognition, a cognition of something. It means to be in such an intimate relationship with someone that you are almost the same person. That's the biblical understanding of the word to know. You have such an intimate relationship that you are almost the same person. So when Jesus talks about knowing God, he doesn't simply mean that you can have knowledge about God. It means that you can live in a relationship with him that is so intimate as to be permanently and eternally bound together with him. And this speaks to a longing, I think, that every human being has. Whether you're here this morning and you've been a Christian for over 50 years or you're absolutely here this morning, uh, potentially convinced that Christmas is nothing more than a, than a traditional celebration gathering and, 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 and that Christianity is not true and it has nothing to do with you. Truthfully, we are hardwired as human beings to be known. Because if you are honest with yourself, every single one of us, if you're honest with yourselves, one of the things that I think that you really want in this world is to have someone look at you, all of you, the totality of you, every single bit of you, and look at you and smile with pleasure. That's one of our greatest hopes as human beings. And one of our greatest fears as human beings is the opposite of that, right? It is someone looking at you, someone looking at all of you, someone looking at the totality of you and laughing or shrugging and being completely indifferent or rejecting you. At Christmas, God himself became one of us. And he smiles at you, and he issues you an invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To know God means, among other things, that you can rest. You can rest in him. That's one thing. That's just, it's really a much longer sermon to talk about what it really means to know God. So we're going to stop there and move on to the next point, which is how can you know God? How can you know God? Well, one answer to that is through Christmas, not in gift giving and house decorating and tree trimming and party going. And I love all of those things, I love them all. But you can know God in the less glamorous and more humble aspect of Christmas. The baby born in the manger in Bethlehem. Because Jesus says that he is the path to knowing God. And not only that, he doesn't say that he is a path to knowing God, he says that he is the only path to knowing God. You see, Jesus is the path he claims to knowing God. The Apostle Thomas asked a question in verse 5 that I'm sure many of you have probably asked at one point How can we know the way? I'm so lost. I don't know what to do. How can I know the way? And Jesus responds to this question, one of the most famous statements in all of the scriptures, I am the way and the truth and the life. Think about that for just a second. Aren't these kind of the things that we're looking for in life, right? Aren't you looking for the way what is the path? What is the path of my life? What am I supposed to do? You know, how, how am I supposed to you know, find a, 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 a way of life that provides meaning and fulfillment and joy even in the midst of hard times? We, we look for the way all the time. Maybe we look for the way in our education. Maybe we look for the way in our prowess at athletics, Maybe we look for the way in how well we perform our jobs or maybe we look for the way in our relationship and how how good our relationship is and how, how quietly our children sit in church on Christmas Day. Don't look for the way that way. Please, whatever you do, don't look for the way that way. Maybe it's our ability to possess things and to buy things. But none of these things are going to satisfy you. None. So we look for other ways, and and just for the fact that we have so many we, in our lives, we go through many different, you know, kind of different iterations of this is the way, you know, this is the this is the path. Just the fact that we go through so many of those means that we haven't found it, and we're looking for the truth. Everything lies to us. Money lies to us. It promises something that it can't deliver to us. Politicians lie to us. Other people lie to us. Materialism lies to us. We lie to ourselves. We can't trust any of these things to make meaning out of life. Jesus claims to be the truth. And we look for life. What does it mean to really be a human being in this world? What does it mean to live a life that is not constantly tossed around by the whims of fashion or the waves of popularity or the opinions of other people? Jesus says he is the life and when you look to other things to be the way and the truth or the life you miss Jesus and you miss Christmas and you miss the entire point of Christmas and missing Jesus at Christmas or missing Jesus anytime is a real tragedy Several years ago, there was a man in California who thought that he would make a little bit of extra money and clean out his house by having a garage sale. And so when he decided to have this garage sale, he did what we all do if we ever have a garage sale. We rummage through the house, you know, all of the scary places in the house and, and find the things that we don't want or use and we, you know, set it aside. We use it for the garage sale. And one of the things that this man came across was in his attic, there were some glass negatives from an old camera. He didn't, they weren't his. He didn't know how they got there. He didn't know if the previous owner had left them there or if it was something that he had cleaned out from his mom's house a long time ago. He didn't know what they were or how they got there. But following the maxim that, you know, if you haven't used something in six months, you need to get rid of it, um, he decided to pull them down and prepare them for the garage sale. Now, when he was, when he was pulling them down and he was getting them ready, he noticed a couple of things about this. One is that they were old and two, that they were pretty cool pictures. And so he thought, you know, these might give me, you know, a decent, a decent amount, this garage. So I'm going to mark these high. I'm going to mark these at $45. So he marked them at $45. He prepared them for sale. And into this garage sale stumbled a man named Rick Norsigian, who lo and behold was an amateur photographer and thought the negatives were pretty cool. He paid his $45 full price, didn't haggle at all. And he went home. And our friend who had the garage sale thought to himself, full price, sweet, you know. But had he bothered to do a bit of research, he would have figured out what Rick Norsigian found out, that he had just stumbled upon and paid $45 for negatives of photographs from Ansel Adams that had been lost since 1937 and had been presumed destroyed by a fire. Now, if you don't know who Ansel Adams is, he took black and white photographs of national parks. And in 1992, I had nothing in my dorm room in college, but I did have an Ansel Adams print, like everybody else in 1992. So he's a big deal, right? And so he found these lost negatives. And he was promptly told after appraisal that they were worth 200 million dollars the man in california missed the treasure that was right in front of his eyes tragedy don't miss the treasure what's all of this about it's about the treasure it's not about the pageantry it's about jesus don't miss jesus this christmas He's the path to knowing God. And I do want to emphasize one other thing that Jesus says here in this passage because he's not a path and he's not only the path. He is the only path to knowing God. Jesus is the only path to knowing God. There is no way to sugarcoat these words. Jesus is making the claim here that any other thing that holds out to you, a way or a truth or a life, is ultimately going to disappoint you, be that any other religion in the world or any secular path. But here particularly as it pertains to a search for God, because Jesus very clearly says, no one comes to the Father but through me. No one comes to the Father, but through me. I know these are offensive words. I'm not even going to try to not make them offensive. They are offensive, you know, because it, it, it butts up so much on our, our, our self-sufficiency. I know that these words may anger some of you, that A, Jesus would make this claim, and B, that there are people in the world that would actually believe this. But listen it really is only as offensive as it is true. These words really are only as offensive as they are true. If the Christmas story is true, if Mary was indeed a virgin, And the Holy Spirit did indeed come upon her and cause her to conceive. If the baby born of her was truly God and truly man, if this baby grew to be a man who performed miracles, if this man ultimately died on a cross and rose again from the dead after three days, then his claim to be the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way, and the only truth, and the only life is completely reasonable, and it is completely valid but if none of these things are true this is all silly this whole thing is just silly and Jesus should be ignored completely dismissed and this day of celebration is little more than a waste of time and money but I would encourage you this Christmas to wrestle with that question could it be true that Jesus Is the way and the truth and the life that no one comes to the Father but by him? Could this celebration of Christmas really point to something that is ultimate and eternal? It's a claim to be wrestled with. It's it's not a neutral. See, Christmas is not neutral. Christmas is not. Christmas and Easter, you can't just kind of look at the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and go, huh, interesting. It's not interesting. Interesting. It's life-changing if it's true. It's transformative if it is true. Don't go another year without really wrestling with it. I have a a friend who started a church in Philadelphia uh, many years ago now, several years ago now. and Like all people who start churches basically anywhere, he found himself at a low point. He was very discouraged, you know, just all the questions, right? Is this church going to survive? Are we going to make it? Am I going to survive? And in his discouragement, he took the train from Philadelphia to New York City one day in December to meet up with some of his friends just to spend some time with them and try to get some encouragement. And he met with them for coffee that afternoon, and they did indeed encourage him. They gave him support. They gave him some good advice. He got really what he needed from them and he was filled up and so he began to walk back to Penn Station to get back onto the train to go back to Philadelphia and on his way to catch his train back home he walked by the big huge Macy's store that sits there on 34th Street in New York City. Now if you've ever watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you will see, or you will have seen, uh, what what he saw that day. That he walked right by that same entrance where they do like all of the stuff in gold letters, right there, huge gold letters, beautiful cursive script was one word. It said, "Believe, believe," and then he looked down under those words. And there were a whole lot of red signs with like smaller print on them. And they said things like, all items, 40% off. Believe. Believe that Macy's can provide meaning to my life for 40% off. Well, some people believe that. But ironically at that moment, because that was a discouraging moment for him, He looked over to the side and there was a vendor on the street who was selling used books. He was packing up for the day. And as my friend walked by, he looked down and the first thing he saw was an old, tattered copy of C.S. Lewis's great book called Mere Christianity. Now, he had read this book before, but he decided to pick it up and to take it with him. And when he got onto his train going back to Philadelphia, he opened it and he began to read, but he became more interested not in what was written by C.S. Lewis on the pages, but what was written by the previous owner of the book in the margins. Because he was obviously reading a copy of C.S. Lewis's book that had been picked up by a skeptic many, many years ago because in the first chapter when C.S. Lewis is talking about all these wonderful things, in the margin, the person is saying, not true, not true, wrong. Science has disproven miracles. You know, all of these things. But as he continued to turn pages and to look at the writing in the margin, the tone began to change. Every once in a while, C.S. Lewis would write something in the margin. This person would write simply, hmm, you know, something like that. Or that's a fair point. He flipped all the way through this book, reading all of the margin notes of this person who had read the book, At the very last page, under the very last word that C.S. Lewis wrote in that book, this person wrote two words. I believe. I believe. You know, that day above him was the word believe in giant gold majestic letters. Below it was scribbled in a tattered book in messy script. But there was life in that belief whereas the other could offer nothing more than a scarf for 40% off. There are all kinds of things competing for your attention this Christmas, all kinds of things, but the true light of Christmas comes quietly. It's humble. It's not flashy. You might miss it if you don't look for it. It's small. It's not big. But please don't miss the claim of what comes in such humility. is that It is that you can know God and you can know him for eternity through his son who is the only way, the only truth, the only life, the one who came at Christmas. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for coming at Christmas. Thank you for not leaving us dead in our sins, stumbling around in the dark trying to make our way and our own truth, and our own life in this world. Father, we pray for those this morning. I pray for those this morning who do not yet believe that you would come into their lives, that they too would be able to write those two words, I believe, and even for all of us who have believed some for a long time, that you would encourage us, Father, and help us to set our eyes upon you, Lord Jesus. We ask it in your precious name, amen.